Welcome to the third episode of Brainstorium. I'm Anna Tizard, and this is all about to get extremely weird and philosophical, and hopefully inspiring too. Last week, I talked about finding your unique creative purpose. Well, this time, I'm going to take a look at the creative purpose of the original Surrealists and see what we can get out of that, before we have a round of Exquisite Corpse, obviously. I feel like this show deserves an extra weird version of my jingle. I admit I've been playing around with my husband's keyboard, which is straight out of the 1980s. Can you tell? It even has helicopter sounds on it. Um, I promise not to take it that far. Well, at least not until we need a helicopter sound. How's that? So let me begin with a quotation from Andre Breton's first Surrealist Manifesto. He said, I believe in the future resolution of these two states, seemingly so contradictory, of dream and reality, in a kind of absolute reality, a surreality, so to speak. I love that. It seems to just sum up the Surrealists' own creative purpose so neatly and succinctly. He goes on to say, that is the quest I am about, certain not to find it, but too heedless of death not to weigh a little the joys of its possession. I'm a little bit unsure about that last bit. I'm not quite sure why he feels the need to bring death into it. I mean, art generally isn't that dangerous, in my experience anyway, but um, maybe he's saying he wants to make believe that he's achieved this in spite of the really low chances of actually doing so. It reminds me a little bit of those positive think thinking exercises you hear about where you have to behave as if you've already achieved something and so you're acting on pure faith despite you know the fact that it's clearly not happening around you. Perhaps he was a little bit ahead of his time in that way. But going back to the main part um, that he says, it really does sound like the big surrealist statement of what they were trying to do, the future resolution of these two states of dream and reality, a surreality. Do you know, I'm reading notes off my laptop screen and the document has underlined the word surreality because apparently it's not in the dictionary. But I feel like technology itself is rejecting this word, this concept, of bringing dream and reality together. It's just unacceptable to the dictionary. Well, the dictionary has many words and in a little while we're about to cause some kind of mayhem, I guess, by putting together words that really don't fit together in a game of exquisite corpse. So go ahead and arrest me, dictionary. But in the meantime, what was André Breton really talking about? The resolution of these two states. Dream is a mental state, a matter of things happening in your mind only. And then reality is just reality, isn't it? 
you do get neuroscientists who say that reality is or might be a hallucination. I can see why they might think that up to a point. Perception is all we really have if you think about it. What's out there in the world has to be fed through our senses and then interpreted by our brains. And there are loads of examples of those visual illusions where um, our pattern-seeking brains are clearly just making up images that aren't there because they just love order and categories and things like that. There was a recent article in The New Statesman um, with an interview with Anil Seth, who's a British neuroscientist, who believes that reality is the hallucination we can all agree on. Yes, I do have a difficulty wrapping my head around that theory, but I tried to give it a chance and I was reading this article and apparently during the interview, they were looking for a sandwich. I wondered why that idea struck me in particular when I was meant to be contemplating, ruminating this difficult theory and my brain just fixated on the fact they were looking for a sandwich. But then it hit me. Why is he bothering looking for a sandwich if he really believes that nothing is real? I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit simplistic about it, but still, if the body is an illusion, hunger is an illusion, it's like follow through with your theory, why don't you? This is not a theory to think about before you cross the road, is it? If that bus hits you, it'll hurt all the same. If pain or cracking your head open is an illusion, it's a pretty realistic one. And when the ambulance arrives, I'm going to want to see some paramedics in the back. Not a bunch of philosophers, thank you. Lovely as you are. But as with a lot of things, I suppose, we can find elements of truth in something we might not absolutely believe in. Pieces of a bigger picture. We know from experience of times when we're feeling really low or stressed and times when we're feeling on top of the world that our perception, our positive or negative mindset can really flavour reality for us and affect the way we experience things and the way we behave. How we react in a disaster, for example, might even affect whether we actually survive it. Yesterday, I was out walking in a forest near my workplace and I had this really weird feeling of unreality. I saw a bee on a yellow flower and it seemed almost otherworldly to me. I realise I've got the residue of lockdown in my head still, having come out of it not that long ago, like a lot of people, and this is probably still affecting me in some ways. But there's also everything else going on, like the horrors on the news. And it makes me think how, how easy it is nowadays that the real may come to seem unreal. And with all the opinions and false pieces of information floating around the internet, equally, the unreal may seem real. And sometimes, genuinely, we might not be able to tell the difference between the two, no matter how hard we try, 
depending on what facts are available to us at the time. But this got me thinking, have we reached surreality? Have we arrived at what André Breton was looking for, but not necessarily in, in a good way? There are more positive ways as well, in which, yes, to some extent, I think you could say surreality has arrived. People talk about creating their own truth. And those positive thinking techniques I was talking about, they're really well known now. They're part of our culture where we talk quite seriously about the way our mental attitude directly affects our experience of reality. This is no longer something just said by psychologists and neuroscientists in exclusive academic spaces or, or in a, a counsellor's office. These aspects of psychology are common knowledge now and we're unlikely to go through life just not being aware of them and not thinking about them at all. With the internet being everywhere now and more of our experiences actually happening through or, or on the internet, like communicating with other people and creating an identity online, which we all do, maybe this has contributed to this surreality. If we live to some extent in our heads via technology, how different is that from a dream? Have we created a kind of resolution between dream and reality? I'm starting to wonder why André Breton wanted that though, because it's certainly not a utopia. What did he think would happen if we did this? If we, I don't know, smoothed the path between what we really want deep down and what happens in external reality. Because I think with the First World War during his time, there was this idea that a lot of conflict happened because of the denial of what's in the unconscious mind. Well, consciously and unconsciously, people don't always want good things or the right things. So maybe if he was thinking along those lines, I, I don't know, perhaps he was a bit deluded. I definitely don't agree with everything the surrealist said or did, but there are still these nuggets of truth that I'm trying to tease out because I think in some ways they really were onto something and can tell us a lot about inspiration. So let's bring ourselves back to inspiration and creativity. What can we get out of all this weird conjecture that's positive and forward thinking? I think writing stories are the ultimate fun ways in which to create our own surreality. I mean, think about it. We're creating these new experiences, new places and characters that wouldn't otherwise exist. So they may live a sort of dreamlike life in the minds of other people. But there's another side to this. When we read, we're not just receiving the images fully made. Our minds generate images using the prompts of the writer. Readers and writers actually work together on creating these worlds and situations. It's a kind of collaboration to create stuff in our own dream world. 
I mean, that's magic, isn't it? We're experiencing things that don't exist in external reality. We're creating a surreality, but a good one. Einstein himself said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Just think about that for a second. Einstein said that. No wonder he had crazy hair. Good for him. I need crazy hair. I must do something crazy with my hair. Fiction straddles that place between dream and reality because of this collaborative effort between reader and author. And if you still don't believe me, after this weird maze of thought that I've taken you through, and none of this exists, by the way, this is all in your head because of words that I've said, suggestions that I've made along the way. Well, get this. Scarlett Thomas, who's amazing by the way, once said, one of the paradoxes of writing is that when you write non-fiction, everyone tries to prove that it's wrong. And when you publish fiction, everyone tries to see the truth in it. I mean, how true is that? But instead of saying this herself, she got a character in one of her novels to say it. It was in Our Tragic Universe. So there it is. She's done it. She's made it happen. We're talking about something a fictitious character said and reflecting on how real it is. And on that note, I think we can safely say we've reached the center of this maze, this very wiggly maze. Thank you for following me along this strange path. But now, it is time to ask ourselves, what kind of surreality do we want to create today? I think it's time to play Exquisite Corpse. Bring on the Socks of Destiny. That's right, it's time to let the socks reveal the truth within. So let's see what our first word is. This is from somebody call themselves Biggles. Tearful. So what or who was tearful? Let's pull out a noun. Oh, this is one of my words. You didn't think that I could resist a game of exquisite corpse, did you? had to put in a couple of words of my own. This is escape. The tearful escape. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, let's see. Let's see what happens next. This is from Mariah. Soothed. Hmm. What did the tearful escape soothe? <laughs> this is gonna be such a difficult one. Oh dear. It's describing word number two. Ah, this is Eric Henderson of Mag Excuse, or Excuse Me Mag. Frozen. What was frozen? Final word. Final noun. 
is from Aurora Worm. <laughs> okay, so the tearful escape <laughs> soothed the frozen worm. <laughs> oh my goodness me. We've got our work cut out for us today, I tell you. Right. The frozen worm is trapped under the ground. And my voice is getting deeper and deeper as I describe this thing. What is happening? Um, the worm is trapped under the ground in a frozen world. So it's winter and it dreams of springtime, which must be happening outside. Um, and the tearful escape Perhaps there's a hole that opens in the ground where the rain comes through and that's the tears which soothes the worm as in it thaws it out so it can wriggle outside. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Or can we think of anything else? Because tearful escape, that is a really weird word combination. I mean, talk about abstract nouns. Tearful escape. Could we say that a woman who's trapped in a cave somewhere and there's a frozen worm nearby that terrifies her. In fact, it's actually the thing that's trapping her there. <laughs> I don't know how she's got into this position. Obviously, she's gone through a magical portal or something and it's gone horribly wrong. Um, but she realises the only way to get out is to soothe this frozen worm, wake it up and convince it to carry her, slither her out of the cave. Okay, this is possibly a bit too strange. It just goes to show, you know, not every exquisite corpse is going to bring up a decent story idea and that's just the way it is but we've got to try we've got to exercise our imaginations in giving a go do you know what i have almost forgotten my green tea so let me just pour that now give it a quick stir and then maybe our next exquisite corpse will make more sense we can but try. There we go. Right, all set, number two. This one's got to work, we've got to get a good one now. So, describing word. Ooh. This is from Dushan Farrington also known as quill spatter. That's a, a, a Twitter ID. Replica. Interesting describing word. And then a noun. Aha, from Andy Burroughs. Tyrant. The replica tyrant. I like it. 
get an action. This is from Lewis D. Wrote an old-fashioned letter to the editor about... Hmm, very specific. Describing word once more. This is from Pedrome Prompt, the palindrome guy. Wet socked. <laughs> that is a great describing word. And finally, the last noun. Come on, this has got to make sense, this one. Biggles. <laughs> tiger. <laughs> we have a wet socked tiger in our midst. See, this is this is why I play Exquisite Corpse. It's brilliant. On the one hand, we have a wet socked tiger. On the other, we have a replica tyrant. I, I don't know, I feel like I want to spend time just with these characters. Where could we go with them? But with, with this particular sentence, we have to imagine that the replica tyrant wrote an old-fashioned letter to the editor about the wet-socked tiger. Okay, I think maybe the whole sentence is a little bit far-fetched to try and make something out of, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of a replica tyrant. I mean, how do you end up with a replica of a tyrant? What does that mean? A tyrant who's cloned himself? Or is this more like a Madame Tussauds thing where somebody's created a, a model that is near as damn it, a, a replica. I have this image of a museum at night and there are rows and rows of models of this tyrant. Maybe this is the ultimate hiding place for the real tyrant. He's lurking in the shadows staying very still while a security guard looks for twitches. There's been some alarm about the real tyrant being on the loose and he has this horrible feeling that there's someone standing there amongst all these other clone-like dummies or mannequins that look just like the tyrant but is the real one there? Or maybe there's, they are all replicas and one of them thinks, actually is able to think or thinks differently from the others. And he's wandered off, had a look around the rest of the museum and maybe come across a magazine someone's left behind, opens it up, has a little read and feels compelled to write an old-fashioned letter to the editor. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I can fit a wet-socked tiger in there somehow. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like there is, there is something uh, in the replica tyrant that we could play with, but 
I don't know what it is yet. And I really feel the need for one more exquisite corpse. I'm game if you are. So let's let's just try another one. See if we can come up with anything decent this time. So this is from Eric Henderson again. Hypocritical. What was hypocritical? This is from a Twitter ID of Lady Karma on Rio. Hmm. Let me look that up. Right, with the magic of modern editing, I have been away and come back. And this is to do with Japanese traditional beliefs and literature. Onryo means wrathful or vengeful spirit that steals souls from its victims' bodies. So we're looking at a hypocritical Onryo. Ooh, how could an Onryo be hypocritical? Interesting. Okay, let's let's keep going. Let's um pull out one of these and action. Ah, this is my this is my entry. Found it difficult to sit next to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then from Aurora, we have Unfathomable. Of course we have unf Unfathomable. Finally, this is going to be nuts, this one. This is from Mariah. Unicorn. <laughs> the hypocritical Onryo, or vengeful spirit, found it difficult to sit next to the unfathomable unicorn. I'm going to need some more green tea. My goodness. Oh no, I've run out. I'm just going to have to, just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> I love this though. How could an Onryo, if that's pronounced correctly, a vengeful spirit that steals souls from victims' bodies be hypocritical? I mean, maybe if they had had their own soul stolen when they were alive, I mean, would that make them hypocritical? Not quite, but it's got the feeling of hypocrisy about it or someone or someone who, when they were alive, they never believed in souls at all. And they denied the existence of spirits in a world where there were clearly a lot of spirits or a spiritual life going on and yet when they when they've died or you know whatever process they went through to become this vengeful spirit they're now stealing souls from victims so there's this weird hypocrisy going on now why would they find it difficult to sit next to an unfathomable unicorn. Unicorns are meant to be pure of spirit, aren't they? So yes, in a way that does make it does make sense that a, 
vengeful spirit stealing the souls of others would find it difficult to sit next to a unicorn. Would it be unfathomable? I don't know, where are they sitting? Where are they that they feel the need to sit to sit down next to each other? Is there a, a lecture theater? Are they listening to some grand professor talking about the nature of of what goes on in, in their mythical world, in the world of spirits? Hmm, this is an interesting lecture theater. I wonder who else is there. I wonder who who the professor is and what exactly they're teaching about spirits, about truth or hypocrisy. Interesting. Okay, yeah, there's there's something there's something going on here. Again, I feel like I want to go away and, and think about it and come back. But hopefully that's given you a little bit of a story fodder, something to think about as well. Well, thank you everyone for your submissions, all these amazing words and phrases. Please do keep them coming. Um, I can't, I literally cannot play this crazy game without your words and your thoughts. So do go to anatizard.com and click Play Exquisite Corpse and send me some words. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you have a great week. Um, be, be inspired. Go forth and be inspired is all I can say. And take good care of yourselves. Bye-bye.